Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. Yes, that's right. Welcome into the Rebel Report on this Monday. Glad that you guys are with me. So today I've got the uh, the live chat, the Sunday night live chat for you. That is coming your way here in a second. Ole Miss did scrimmage over the weekend, and it was originally supposed to be closed. It wasn't closed. People got to watch it, and... Um, what was taken away it varies depend on uh, depend on who you read, I guess. But I talked to a few people that were there, uh, a few people that I know that are tied in with the team, and, and it's really not much different than what you've probably read already. The obvious, the things that that people are most interested in, is uh, is quarterback, of course, and apparently uh, what we've been talking about really through spring. And I, I've talked a lot about quarterbacks with you guys naturally. And uh, my position on that, or, or what I thought was going to happen, really never changed at all at any point. And apparently, uh, that is kind of being confirmed uh, through this camp, that this is Jackson Dart's football team. He will be the quarterback of this team, barring unexpected, super poor play, or injury, or something like that. But uh, very comfortable, in command, and people are really impressed uh, by him. People are really impressed with Caden Priestcorn. Uh, again, I've said this a few times to you guys before, uh, wide receiver can be, and keyword can, got, got to have the games to prove it, uh, be a position of strength for this team. Uh, can be better than what people thought, and they're showing it in camp, and Williams looks good. Uh, you know, they've, They're a little banged up there, but there's potential. There's the P word. The C word is can, and the P word is potential. Get your mind out of the gutter, everybody. Uh, but uh, apparently wide receiver has the chance to be, you know, pretty good. And I know there was a, a training camp scuffle that made waves uh, last week. Uh, Micah Pettis apparently was involved in, in some kind of training, you know, practice scuffle. And while it's a little bit different when it's that particular player who, who has had, you know, problems in the past and his head coach especially really likes uh, his upside and his talent and what he can offer the team there's been some you know bumps along the way getting you know not everybody is a super like mature adult man when they're 18 I sure as hell wasn't so uh, either way uh, so it being that particular player makes it at least a little bit more noteworthy but but man I, I just I, I can never make a big deal out of training camp dust-ups. I just, I never will. And maybe it's the NFL fan in me that I, I consume so much NFL training camp where, where there's so much access, and because there's so much access, that stuff is seen more. That happens a lot more often than you think. I mean, LSU had a, a training camp dust-up where their best player was sent off the field in practice. It's going to be fine. It's 100 degrees out. These are... Uh, <laughs> Young men that are just, just, I mean, knocking heads all day long, and stuff happens, and emotions sometimes happen in training camp. It happens at the pro level all the time. Hell, Houston's head coach it was happy to see that there was a training camp dust-up because in years past, he, he wondered, where's the fire? Like, I, you guys need to get after it a little bit more. So, it being that particular player, I guess, makes it noteworthy, but... Training camp scuffles are, are not a thing that that I'm going to discuss with you guys. And, and I don't know. Maybe I should. It's just not something that I, I'm going to come here and you know talk about and analyze because it, it just it happens so often. It happens in the NFL. The Saints have joint practices coming up. It's going to happen there. I mean, there, there was a scuffle at Saints training camp without another team involved this week. It happens all the time. There, there was a training camp scuffle on video in Cleveland. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Um, former Ole Miss players, by the way, uh, speaking of the NFL, uh, Malik Heath, uh, impressed. I watched some of his games, so I didn't get to see all of them. So I didn't get to see like Otis Reese and Chance Campbell play. I watched a lot of Matt Corral 
God bless uh, Bryce Young, and when he inevitably gets hurt, God bless Matt Corral, because their offensive line is so, so bad there in Charlotte. Horrible. Uh, but Malik Heath was somebody, when he got picked up by Green Bay, I thought he has a really good chance to make that roster because of uh, the receiver depth there. It wasn't really that good. And also, you know, he can play. He showed that in the preseason game, caught a handful of passes, but what the highlight of the night, which I think they're going to love on film, is he drove a defensive back on a run play. Uh, he drove him like 15 yards down the field and then turned him and, and drove him out of bounds, and then he drew a 15-yard penalty. The guy didn't like it, apparently, and like threw a punch or something, and, and Malik got a 15-yard penalty on him. So he blocked him downfield and out of bounds and drew a penalty that's the kind of stuff as a wide receiver that's going to get you on an NFL roster catch the ball when it's thrown to you and he did but be a willing and physical blocker uh, that was impressive so uh, a lot of good things uh, happening with uh, former Ole Miss players uh, in training camp uh, right now in the NFL but training camp is happening right here uh, at the college level we talked a, a good bit about scrimmages on the live uh, stream last night I say that. The questions were more kind of big picture stuff. Anyway, it was a good chat. I had a good conversation, a good time on the live chat last night, so I will bring that to you right now. But all in all, you know, the, the returns on Pete Golding are, are still really good. Monty Montgomery, again, had high praise for, for Pete Golding. Um, the, the people that get to watch him every day, the, the way they describe him is really interesting because um, they, they talk about him more as like a professor as opposed to like a meathead football coach. and I wouldn't be surprised. So the more I think about this, I wouldn't be surprised if they struggle a little bit early defensively, all the new pieces and the new system and stuff like that. I wouldn't be shocked at all, though, if by the end of the season, they are playing really, really high-quality defense. The returns from Pete Golding so far are really good. And, and I said it at the time, and I'll say it again because, like, my mind only works in very simple ways. The Alabama fans' criticism of Pete Golding was so remarkably stupid. And you, the Ole Miss fan, are going to get to see that and enjoy that yourself. Um, it may not happen right away, though, but it will happen. Like, it will happen. Ole Miss is going to be much better defensively under Pete Golding. I, I, I will basically guarantee you that. So, a lot of good things coming out of scrimmages because nothing bad ever comes out of scrimmages if it is it's injury news um and there's also some legal news which uh, does get talked about here on uh, on the live stream so forgive me if if i'm repetitive later i kind of forgot what i talked about last night it was uh it was my son's first day of school and so my mind has been elsewhere today but uh, anyway enjoy that i appreciate you guys uh, for checking out the podcast don't forget to follow me on twitter at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y, Facebook and YouTube as well if you'd like, and subscribe to this podcast if you have not already, wherever you get them. And this podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems, by the way. If you're a business and you are located in Mississippi, anywhere in Mississippi, and you're in the office for, or in the office for market technology, if you're in the market for office technology, Advantage Business Systems has you covered. Check them out. Online, absms.com is the website, absms.com. Anything office technology, tell them I sent you, get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need, what your budget is. They will perform an assessment for you on me. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. They've got 16 locations scattered across the state of Mississippi. So there's likely one conveniently located for you. You will have a good and pleasant banking experience, which is not something you can say all the time. It's local. It's people that live where, where you do. It, it is people that will recognize you when you come in. They, they know me by name there at my Priority One Bank location, and uh, they will you as well. They've got online banking. Of course they do, like everybody does, but you don't need multiple apps uh, to get your banking and money services done it's just one platform. It's all you need, unlike my previous bank where I needed three different apps to manage my money. Priority One Bank makes you their priority. All right, here it is. Here's the live chat last night. Again, please forgive me if there's some repetition in what I just said to you in that quick little, like, hey, training camp thought thing, scrimmage thought thing, and what happens on the live chat. Again, my mind is just spinning today. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you on the next one tomorrow.
same calendar as mine. School starts tomorrow. Rejoice. You have made it to the start of the school year. I'm actually uh, sad as I possibly could be. So <laughs> I am not yet at the stage of parenting where I am celebrating the uh, the, the start of, uh, of school. It's terrible. I'm so sad. But, but... I'm going to get over it by talking sports with you. My name is Michael Borky. Of course, it you know says it right there. It's my channel. I'm not creative. I don't have any cool names. I need to come up with one. I need like a cool name for this that is not just like my name. Help me out with that. Either way, we're going to talk some football tonight. Scrimmages this weekend in Oxford and Starkville. People got to watch the one in Oxford. People did not get to watch the one in Starkville. So less out of there than usual. And of course, whatever else comes up in chat for the next 45 minutes or so is about all I got with you tonight. Got to get some stuff together uh, because, again, school is starting tomorrow. Uh, man. Anyway, glad that uh, that you guys are with me. Please subscribe and like the video if you have not already. And uh, and let's dive in. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, Memphis Rebel, I'm glad you understand the assignment. I appreciate you understanding the assignment. We're overreacting to what we heard about what happened in the scrimmages this weekend and nothing more. He says Ole Miss will have one of the best defenses in the nation. Thank you for that. I uh, was talking to a Mississippi State fan friend earlier. And, and by the way, for whatever it's worth, I know that there was a uh, uh, a criticism of me in, in like the live stream and the podcasting and stuff, and even on the radio show. Apparently something that I do too much is uh, reference conversations I have with, uh, with friends. Um, here's why I do that, for what it's worth. And, and Tell me to stop if it's annoying. Apparently, it's annoying to at least one person. Um, I do that because I can't talk to you guys. You know, we do a live chat and, and stuff like that, but but I can't talk to you guys. I, I can't. I don't have a co-host. There's nobody sitting here next to me. When I do the podcast, it's literally me just talking to myself. On the radio show, yes, we have a text line, but it's kind of just us talking to each other. So if I don't have anybody sitting next to me to talk to, I bring conversations that I have with other people here. So if it's a if it's a state or an Ole Miss fan that has, um, you know, a thought that's like a prevailing thought, or if it's just a question reserved to him, I don't know. But I like bringing conversations I have with people uh, to the table here because it allows me to personify an audience that's not there. There's nobody here. There's just my son on the other side of that wall. That's it. Like there's nobody else here. So I have to talk to somebody, and of course, again, I have you guys in the chat, but when I reference conversations I have with my state fan friend that I talked to uh, over the weekend about their scrimmage, um, it's because there's not a state fan here to bounce stuff off of. So that's why I do that. I think it adds uh, for whatever it's worth, but apparently that annoys at least one person. Either way, I was talking to a state fan friend of mine over the weekend, and he he uh, apparently heard what a lot of people heard was that uh, the defense uh, dominated the first half of the scrimmage in Starkville. And again, that's like, because nobody got to watch it. So that's like, you know, people talking to people that saw it and, it, you know, it's the grapevine stuff, right? And he asked me if he, if he should be worried that with Will Rogers, you know, being a veteran quarterback, still losing to the defense in scrimmages means anything. <laughs> you know, God bless him. I was like, no, it doesn't mean anything at all. Of course, we didn't get to watch it. We have no idea. But number one, I expect that Mississippi State defense, with what they have returning and the experience on that side of the ball, to win a lot of battles uh, against a lot of offenses uh, this season. I mean, it's a formidable defense. Uh, the, the front six is as experienced as, as almost any in college football. I'm still curious about the, the back end of the defense. So Zach Arnett has made reference to that multiple times of being inexperienced uh, at, at the least. They have a bunch of guys to replace back there, and we'll see. We'll have to wait until week two is when we're going to get the first gauge. We'll have to see who steps up in that spot, but you know, you're know, you not going to get negativity out of close scrimmages very often. But no, it's okay that the new offense loses to an experienced defense in the first scrimmage of camp. Like there, There's nothing to, to really read into that, and I'll take it even a step further. There are going to be people – it's not going to be me. I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you consume the podcast, the radio show, or right here, um, you are not going to get like major takeaways from me 
out of the Mercer game for Ole Miss or the C-Log game from Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, noteworthy things can happen like injuries, uh, you know, starters, like who won certain position battles, sure. Uh, but but there are going to be people that are going to be like, wow, this player looked really comfortable in this and this and this. Mercer and C-Lob should make every player on the Ole Miss and Mississippi State roster look like a Hall of Famer. Uh, there's nothing really that you can take away from those games. I'm going to do a recap with you guys, so of course, and, and we'll talk about it briefly. Uh, mostly personnel stuff, and if there's any significant injuries, knock on wood, knock on wood, there's no significant injuries. But otherwise, there's nothing that you can take away from those games that is meaningful at all. They are basically useless games. You would learn more if you watched Ole Miss scrimmage against each other and state scrimmage against each other as opposed to those games. So scrimmages, it's kind of the same thing. We can overreact. There are some things that happen because people actually got to watch the one in Oxford uh, that we can take away. Uh, a lot of it is quarterback-based, and, and so we can talk about that. And um, th- There's an issue now with defensive personnel at linebacker that, that we can talk about as well. But if you're looking for like major like takeaways other than anecdotes, which uh, there are some people that cover both teams that do a really good job of like, hey, here's what I saw. This looked like this. It's hard to tell because it's a scrimmage. But I, I like when, when people con- contextualize what they see with stuff like that. Just, hey, you know, this player looks good. Just remember it's a scrimmage. But Or, or this quarterback took all the reps with the ones, and he's very clearly, you know, it, it, it's his offense, all good. Like that kind of stuff I appreciate. But if you're looking for, oh, this this player is poised to have a huge season because he defended a pass in a scrimmage, well, I don't know. And the same thing's going to apply in week one. So sorry to throw some cold water on that. We'll talk about it in context, but uh, there are too many people that like can watch a scrimmage and have like major takeaways. And, and I think that that is a very, uh, that's a fool's errand, in my opinion. We'll talk a lot of football between now and week two, but we're not going to find out a lot about these teams until the second game of the season. And it's just, it is what it is. Does Lane, oh, skipped ahead. There we go. Does Lane seem more positive in press conferences than usual? Surely that's a good sign for the Rebs. Yeah, it's hard to read into press conferences, but Matthew, I think that there's something to what you're saying. He does, he feels a lot more comfortable, I think, with what's going on on the other side of the ball. I think truly based on everything you hear and and we got to hear from Charlie Weiss Jr. for the only time this year, um, it it feels like he's comfortable with where his quarterback is. He's comfortable with the running back room, Uh, although there might be an injury there, maybe not a long-term one, though, with uh, with Bentley. But um, he seems to like a lot of things that are happening with his program. But I think it's especially, and I, I keep going back to this, Pete Golding. I think he's really comfortable with his defensive coordinator and how he conducts his business and how things are going on the other side of the ball. I think that can make an offensive-minded head coach sleep much better at night is if you know that the other side is taken care of. And I am very confident in knowing that last year he he did not feel comfortable at times with how things were being handled on the other side of the ball. Not the case anymore with Golding. So, yeah, it's – you know. It means nothing, but it means something at the same time. It, he does feel more comfortable than usual. You're a little one, start school for the first time tomorrow. You're a little emotional. Embrace those emotions. There is not a single thing, not one thing wrong with having those emotions. And if anybody says uh, otherwise, they are full of uh, of crap. Uh, it's okay. What's my prediction on Mississippi State's schedule? Uh, I, what what I did with my W's and L's is I, I came out at seven and five. Uh, Kobe is, is where I came out with on uh, on Mississippi State. I reserve the right to be wrong because it happens all the time. I am constantly wrong. I do not, and I did not at media days predict them to finish last in the West. I think their roster, especially defensively, is far more veteran than that. Um, I would be more surprised if they finish with a losing record, like some people predict than if they best my prediction. Uh, but that's what I have. Uh, I, I do think there's just so much new and so much transition that it, it's really hard to, you know, there are some people that think like it's a nine-win football team, and, and it can be. Like, it, it certainly can be. Absolutely, it can be. 
But there's just too much I don't know about so much with this Mississippi State team. I don't know what a Zach Arnett coach team is going to look like. I mean, all of this is now under his control. It hasn't been in, uh, until this point. Um, I don't know what a uh, Barbe offense is going to look like, and I don't know if Will Rogers can command it. I think he can. He's a smart kid. All that stuff. I'm like, I, I think all of that is true, but until I know, I'm going to kind of err on the side of of caution as opposed to um, anything else. What are the chances of Ole Miss will win the West? Uh, you ever seen Dumb and Dumber? You know when, um, uh, what is it, Lloyd asks uh, Mary Swanson what their chances are? And she says, not good. And he says, one out of 100. And she says, no, more like one out of a million. That's kind of where it is. Uh, you know, I, I think it's Alabama, LSU, and their their rosters and coaching are, are just so different that, that it's kind of hard to overcome that. And, and Ole Miss going to Athens also really doesn't help. But no, I think there are only two teams that can win the SEC West, and it's Alabama and LSU. Um, and everybody else is playing for third. You're watching me with the movie Independence Day playing in the background? Good choice. Good movie. A little goofy, but, you know, maybe it might turn out to be a a, a documentary. We are officially at hearsay season. Yeah, we are. I love it, though. I, I eat all this crap up. The, the, the difference is between the NFL. Like, I watched the Saints play today, and you asked earlier, you know, how, what, how did I think they looked? And the ones looked really good. And this this is what cracks me up. And the same thing happens in scrimmages, too. Like, you'll get the twos and threes on the field in a scrimmage, and then people will say, well, I, I don't know if they have enough depth there. Now, with Ole Miss at linebacker, it's a little bit different. They have real depth issues right now at linebacker. With uh, Tennyson has now moved to linebacker. He's, he's a little undersized, but but he's been banged up. And now with Kari Coleman's deal, um, you, you cannot expect him to be back anytime soon. Uh, suddenly you look at the linebacker room and it's it's thin and beyond the typical like they just you know everybody's thin after a couple of uh, bodies drop but no they're they're really thin right now at linebacker and uh, you know everybody is um, presumed innocent until proven guilty but the charges against Kari Coleman what what the charge is and, and again we have not seen a police report so we don't know what the action he's accused of doing is but the charges are not good it's very not good. It's very problematic what the charges are. And so uh, until that gets resolved, I wouldn't expect him to see him on the field if that even does get resolved because those those charges come in a pretty wide range of actions that, that you can commit to get those charges. And until we know, it's hard to know. But I, I don't think there, – there's a chance that you're not seeing him for a while. So Ole Miss is really, really thin there. But I mentioned the Saints to, to bring this up. An NFL roster, the, the Saints today, the ones looked really good. Hell, the twos looked really good. But once they got into the second half, I saw one Saints media member that was like, this team really has depth problems. And I wanted to say, dude, everybody on the field right now will not take a meaningful snap for this team. Like, you've got a bunch of guys that are battling for making the 53-man on the field right now, no, they're not going to look as good as the starters. Uh, of course not. Uh, the Saints have depth issues on the offensive line, possibly, and they've got injuries there as well. They've got depth issues at linebacker because of an injury, but they just signed somebody. But you've got a, a bunch a bunch of guys that aren't going to play for you, and if they have to, then it's because of catastrophe. And the same thing applies really in college football. Like there's there's less fewer than 10 programs in the country that can sustain multiple injuries at basically every spot on the field. Like Georgia, Ohio State can have a couple of receivers get hurt and still be fine, stuff like that. But even those programs, if you if you lose a couple of guys, depth is going to be an issue. Uh even at places, football factories like that. So um 
there are cases like with Ole Miss's linebacker room where depth is an issue. Ole Miss's running back room depth was an issue until they they added the Oregon State transfer. Now you should honestly, um, and with the freshman looking good as well, you should feel pretty good about that room now and the depth that you have there. But, you know, everybody after a couple of bodies drop is going to have depth issues. Um, it just depends on how you can manage it and, and how lucky you can get. Sometimes you just got to get lucky. Um, I mean, Ole Miss didn't have an offensive lineman miss a game in 2012. Uh, that was a long time ago, but they couldn't have afforded an injury up front, and they didn't get one. They kind of got lucky there. Um, it's like that for most teams. You know, once you get to the twos and threes, basically almost everywhere, you're going to see a drop-off. There's a reason they're twos and threes. They're either freshmen not ready or guys that just have not uh, have not gotten there yet. And, and you know, that's okay. That's, that, that happens. So there's very – again, there's very few programs in the country that actually um, can sustain injuries. So Odds on Judkins being in the Heisman conversation. You know, he's not a quarterback, which is a huge strike against him. But, hey, man, he plays in the right conference. Uh, he plays for the right coach. And he already has the star power, too. Like – you know, if he leads the SEC in rushing again, it's not going to, like, come out of nowhere, air quotes for people. Um, the, the country knows about Quinshawn Judkins now. So even if Ole Miss doesn't win 11 games, which is like a base requirement for the Heisman Trophy, uh, if you've heard me rant about that before, I, I think the, the award is a joke now. I used to be locked in, I mean locked in, to the uh, the Heisman Trophy. And and now I've realized that it's it's not – the best most outstanding player in college football it's the quarterback on the best team or whatever or one of the best teams so I don't know if they'll win enough games for him to win it but he again he plays for the right coach in the right conference and the right offense and he's already got national star power so um if he replicates last season uh with a little bit more uh, in the passing game but um now if he does that then yeah uh, at least an invite to New York is absolutely on the table like realistically on the table. You'll say you think Ole Miss's offense will be great and the defense will be shaky but get better and MSU's offense will struggle but defense will be solid. That kind of sums up how everything sounded after the weekend. You have a hot take of a Power 5 team is to play an FCS team. It should be at the FCS school's home stadium. Yeah, but then you can't make any, you know, then then it wouldn't make any money and, and you couldn't pay them. Um, I this you might think I'm crazy, but Mercer would rather play at Ole Miss than host Ole Miss because they make more money playing at Ole Miss, and and those games are all about just those programs making money and really nothing more. That that is all they're about is is making money. So you say you can't tell how good the offense or defense will be based on scrimmages nope but you can tell how physical they will be that's the main thing i'm looking for that to me it's it's personnel it, it's personnel it's who's available and who's not that's what i take away most from the scrimmages um you know who who's in a walking boot or or who didn't participate or you know if you have a quarterback competition who took the most steps with the ones or or who looked like he was in more uh, command of the offense, stuff like that. And, and, you know, Mississippi State doesn't have that issue because it's Will Rogers. He's, he's the starting quarterback. But their personnel stuff is on the secondary. Who's uh, going to take the lead there? Who's going to step up a wide receiver? But with Ole Miss, because of the addition of Spencer Sanders, it was quarterback. And, and everything, like I've told you guys out of spring, and, and like you guys already know, uh, coming out of training camp, is it's Jackson Dart's football team. Uh, I, I said that like, you know, we, we've said that every week now. We, we've talked about that. But but I think it's kind of a storyline that, you know, Jackson Dart is the quarterback for Ole Miss. He is. Uh, and Lane Kiffin's not hiding it, really, anymore. Charlie Weiss didn't seem to hide it in his interviews. Um, they're, they're not embellishing with the media. They're they're showing. I mean, you know, they, they invite media to practice, and then they do everything. And, and it's very clearly Jackson Dart's team especially after this academic stuff. And so, you know, I podcasted about that. So if you're listening to this in the podcast feed, forgive me for being a bit repetitive, but um, there is nothing good 
Like, like there's nothing normal about a quarterback of a fifth year quarterback, by the way, um, having to miss practice for academics, even if, cause I had somebody tell me, Oh, it's just a test. Like it's no big deal. He was just taking a test. Well then why did nobody else have to? Obviously the only one that had to do that. Why didn't Jackson Dart have a test? And why didn't he miss practice? Why didn't Walker Howard have a test? So if you're having to miss practice for a test, you either have to like finish a class for to, to graduate. So, so you're leaving or you have to, finish that class in a rush and miss football for it to get eligible. Like those are, I can't think of anything other than, than those two scenarios that you would rush, that you would have to take a test and miss practice for it when nobody else has to. Those are the only two things I can think of. You took an extra class where apparently the August session is not like a super popular thing. Like the the players don't really do that. Um, So you had to take an extra class to either get eligible or graduate to transfer. And and somebody that's been in college for four years having to do one of those two things is not normal. And it's not like just brush it off. It's no big deal. There's something up there, but it doesn't really matter, frankly, because all the reporting out of the scrimmage is, is exactly what we've been hearing for quite some time. It doesn't matter if Spencer Sanders is there or not. He's not the starting quarterback of the team. And he's not going to be unless Jackson Dark gets hurt or plays extremely unexpectedly poorly. Um, that, that, and that, and that's it. So sorry for harping on that so much. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Uh, the, the NIL component is fascinating to me. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You'd be a little worried about the state secondary. I am at the moment and, and week two is going to tell us a lot, right? It, it's not, you know, it, it's not, um, like they're playing LSU in week two. It's Arizona, but, but Jaden Delore is a good quarterback. He threw for like 200 fewer yards than Will Rogers last year. He didn't run the air raid. So they're going to get tested at home early, early in the season. That's a fast, a really freaking fascinating football game is State and Arizona because State's more athletic than Arizona. We saw it last year. State's really good in the front six, really freaking good in the front six. They are disruptive. They're physical. They're old in a good way. Uh, but Delore's going to test them. He, he's mobile, too, so he can uh, escape pressure a little bit. That's going to be an interesting test for Mississippi State. We're going to learn a lot uh, about them in week two, about that part of their team anyway. You know, State is working to bowl in their end zone right now. They are. I, I did not know that. Uh, should Ole Miss respond by restarting plans for Vought renovation? It, it depends on if the money's there. Um, the The... The previous administration did such a bad job with renovation projects of the football stadium. I, I, it's it's so horrible. They did such a bad job in so many different areas. Um, the moving the students, enclosing that breezeway up top of the south end zone, just so stupid. Um, the north end zone looks like an erector set. Those weird things next to the next to the scoreboard just sticking out above the. It's it's all so bad. They need to tear it down. And uh, and rebuild it. Now nobody has the money for that, but um, they need stadium work so bad. There, it, it is. It is such a, a bad. It's and some Ole Miss fans don't like me saying that because they, they and some don't even agree with me. We, we've brought this up on the radio show before, and I've said this very thing that it's one of the worst stadiums in the SEC, and it's up there among the worst in the Power Five. And people are like, no, you're just. I, I've been, I've been to forty. Power five college football stadiums, I think, by my count. I think it's 40, I think. Um, maybe a little less. But it's horrible. It is. The game day experience at Ole Miss is great. The Grove, awesome. Every, like, all that. Very Everything's good. The town's good. It's a, it's a great place to spend a weekend going to a football game. And the sight lines in the stadium are fine. Like, there's not a bad seat in the place because of how it's built. But the concourses and stuff... The the different looks of each side and it's it's bad. It's just bad. Tim, I, I'm I'm glad you liked the Saints today too, man. I, I was really impressed. Derek Carr looked like he was in complete control, and I loved what the uh, what the defense looked like too against the ones. And they only got a couple of series, but still. By the way, Jackson is clearly the guy. Yep, he is. Corey says if 
start as a starting quarterback, which I think he should be. Surely Ole Miss is almost sabotaging itself if Sanders gets QB2 reps instead of Howard, right? Sanders is gone after this year. Uh, yeah, Corey, if, if he is still around, which I, I keep saying that, and there's no indication that he's leaving, but the writing's on the wall. And, you know, for example, if whatever test he had to take on Friday means that he could he could be a graduate, Iowa State now needs a starting quarterback. Theirs got arrested or whatever it is for the, the insider trading gambling deal. Um, so maybe there's a place for him to go. But yeah, if Ole Miss is doing this correctly, um, Dart's the starting quarterback, and Walker or Howard is being prepared to take over after this season or or whatever. Um, giving Spencer Sanders mop-up duty against Mercer and Tulane and Louisiana Monroe and Vanderbilt and, and that kind of stuff uh, would be a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, giving him mop-up duty in any game would be a mistake, in my opinion. Now, maybe if they have a package for him or whatever, sure. Or if Dart gets hurt, like for a long period of time, sure. But um, I think it would be a mistake to not be preparing Howard for the future, which would be getting him reps with the ones when, when Dart isn't. So like the, the few remaining reps with the ones in practice and getting him mop-up duty when you the opportunity presents itself. It would be a mistake if they didn't do it that way. I mean, aside from wasting money with Sanders and NIL, which is what it possibly could be, possibly could be, um, it would be a waste of time because, as you said, he's he's gone after the year. You don't think that'll be a test? I disagree, mostly because it'll be like last year where Arizona's quarterback can't find time to throw in order to test state secondary. But remember, Arizona was driving with the football in the second half down to touchdown. Like that that game was not it was late. Uh I was like drifting in and out of sleep sometimes. But that game, uh that game was close there uh for uh, for a little while. So Yeah. I was just reminded by the way, Brian Haydad just tweeted at me. Uh false fall is coming, guys. We're we're getting that false fall. You guys know what I'm talking about. You love it. I love it. Uh where we get that little hint of football weather that's coming on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. I, like tomorrow, high of 101. Like it's going to be hell, and that's okay. Tuesday, high of 90, low of 71. Wednesday, high of 87, low of 65. And Wednesday, high of 87, low of 65. Thursday, high of 92, low of 65. And then it gets back to 100 for the next five days. Uh, but we get false fall. I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about false fall. It's uh, it just it, it, like it'll smell like football. So Lane let Derek Nix run the first scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, not everybody liked his his reasoning or whatever. Um. You know, Mike Vrabel did that with the Titans, uh, I guess. It would have been yesterday, right? Is that when they had their preseason game Saturday, right? Because they played uh, Chicago, didn't they? I think so. I, I didn't watch all the preseason games. I really just watched the Saints. But um, that was a cool move by uh, by Mike Vrabel um, to, to give his guy head coaching experience. Now, it's just a preseason game, but still, it's – give them something on their resume to where Mike Brabel can say to a prospective employer, yeah, he did it and he was phenomenal. He, he knows what he's doing. He's got this, that kind of stuff. And Lane Kiffin did the same thing with Derek Nix. Uh, he gave him the program for 24 hours, let all the meetings and, and all that stuff. And, you know, some people read Lane Kiffin's quotes and, and called him woke and, and stuff like that. But um, I will never um, – and you can call call me woke too if you'd like. I guess I will never bemoan somebody in a position of power giving somebody an opportunity like that ever. I, I never will. I, I think that that that's a that's a cool thing. Lane believes that Derek Nix should uh, should be in consideration to be a head coach clearly, and so he gave him the opportunity to get that experience. So if a job comes open that wants to look at Derek Nix, he can say, "Hey, I did it." And here's what I did, and here's what I learned. Um, 
that that kind of stuff will not bother me if it's there's a difference between virtue signaling and action right again some people are gonna maybe some people will call me whatever but if you know me by now i doesn't matter my opinion's my opinion whatever i don't like when people just say things whether it be in a column or on a radio show or just on twitter and that's all they do is they just talk and there's no action behind their words. They just, this should be the case. And that's all they do is just tweet about it. And that's all they do. Um, if Lane Kiffin believes that there are not enough opportunities, he gave or is doing things to help provide that opportunity. I will never be moan somebody for doing that. I won't. And I don't, I don't think very many Ole Miss fans have, or anybody really have been critical of Lane. So maybe I shouldn't even go very few uh, that I saw, but largely people were like, heck yeah, you know, good. If you're in a position of power and you believe that things should be different then act. And if you don't act, then shut up and he's acting. And so it's cool with me. Is Jam Griffin going to be solid depth at running back for Ole Miss? Yeah. And I think that's all really he's going to be Corey. Uh, is is mostly just a, a depth piece. Uh, I don't think that uh, they expect him to like be running back two or whatever unless injuries happen. But depth, yes, as you said, depth is always good. That that is a position of of volatility. There there were times last year where because of lack of depth, Judkins had too many carries too often. And so if you can hand the ball a few times to a guy like that who has power five experience and, and has been good, and the same thing with Bentley and and the freshman as well, who, whose name's escaping me at the moment. I'm having a brain fart. Please forgive me. But um, that's good. You, you don't have to run Judkins against Tulane as much as they would have a year ago, right? You can give the ball to Bentley and, and to him and, and, and keep some tread on Judkins' tires for when you go to Tuscaloosa. For, for when you're playing Arkansas at home. When you really need him, you didn't have to use him to beat Tulane because you had nobody else to give the ball to. So, yeah, good depth. I mean, to get somebody that late uh, in the portal with multiple years of eligibility, too, um, who has experience and, you know, good enough experience, it's a good pickup. Lane could give him a chance in the Mercer game, at least maybe in the second half. The the only problem with that is you can't say, hey, I'm going to give you the second half of this game. What happens if the game is close? You know, um, but I wouldn't hate that idea either. It just it it might be viewed as disrespectful to your opponent, though. I don't know. I I wouldn't hate it if he did it. On the Vrabel topic, what should you expect from your Titans this year? Um, forgive my language. An ass kicking in week one. That's what you could expect, Tucker. Uh, no, you know, I like Mike Vrabel a lot. I think that, uh, they need to get the quarterback thing figured out. I think they have drafted poorly in back-to-back years at that position to replace Tannehill. I don't know what the hell they're doing uh, with quarterback, uh, Malik Willis still, uh, looking like who everybody should have thought he was as a prospect. And then Will Levis still, um, I, I it, it's really unfair to judge a quarterback, a rookie quarterback in their first preseason game. But Will Levis looked like the exact Will Levis we saw at Kentucky. That, that's why everybody was so critical of the idea of him being a top 10 pick because at no point in college, at no point, did he look like an NFL quarterback. At no point. Yes, he has physical tools, but the play's got to matter. At least with Anthony Richardson. There were times when he looked like that. I wouldn't have picked Anthony Richardson either. Not if I need a starter right away. Hell no. I mean, he's going to start right away. And you saw how that went right away. Um, But otherwise, I really like a lot of what Tennessee does. Uh, They got rid of the GM that that botched the A.J. Brown deal, but they're obviously good at running back. Hopkins helps them at wide receiver. They're better there. They'll be be really well coached, and they'll play really good defense. They'll be a tough out every week. But what they're doing at the quarterback position does not make any sense to me. But playoff team, yeah. Absolutely, you should expect them to be in the playoffs this year, especially in that division. Um, definitely a playoff team this year. Buy in, man. NFL fandom's fun. I'm telling you, it's uh, 
it's really fun. You'd bet we don't see Austin Simmons versus Mercer. Uh, you've heard he's talented but not game ready yet. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I think that everything right now, um, I mean, maybe they let him in at the end, I, I guess, uh, of a game like that, just just because they can. Um, but no, I, I think that Walker Howard should be the focal point in blowout games, if that makes sense. The game will be 35-3 to or 42-7 to at halftime if Mercer takes offense to Knicks taking the reins in a non-competitive game. Then pr- their priorities are out of whack. Yeah, maybe so. Um, no, maybe they do it. I don't know. May- maybe it went well and Lane decides at halftime, hey, you know, we're going to we'll, – we'll, we'll go with Howard and Derek. You know, it's your team now. Go for it. Doing that in season, though, is is a little bit different, though, than – a preseason game or or a scrimmage or something, but you know. Anyway, anything else happened this weekend? Lucas Glover won again. My guy, Greenville, South Carolina, stand up. That was uh, that was awesome. That was really really cool. The Jim Harbaugh deal is getting weird. By the way, do you see that? So they agreed to the four game suspension and in the committee on infractions, like the NCAA. Uh, the, the, the same organization had an, a deal made and agreed upon, and then the same organization was like, no, we don't agree. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a chance that he gets suspended. They, they say that this could work its way into 2024, and the NCAA statement was so – I mean, we're, we're still talking about practices during COVID. That, that Jim Harbaugh is going to get punished for. If this is not a perfect encapsulation of why the NCAA can't run college sports anymore, this is it. They agree to a deal, and they also don't agree to the same deal. The same organization agrees and then doesn't agree with the same deal from three years ago. And, and we want them to run college sports, and we think that they are the people that should be in charge. No shot. Absolutely, uh, absolutely no shot. Um but otherwise, just a pretty low-key weekend, I, uh, I think. So, appreciate you guys uh, stopping by and checking it out. Scrimmages um, closed in Starkville, and uh, it's Jackson Dart's team in, uh, in Oxford. Those are the main takeaways. Linebacker depth at Ole Miss is an issue, uh, especially with the absence of Kari Coleman. And um, that's mostly what you can take away. I know Ole Miss really likes uh, Caden Priestcorn a lot. I think they like what they have at wide receiver. But sustaining injuries there might be an issue. And again, I like I said at the beginning, I think they are very, very satisfied with how things are going so far with Pete Golding. So, yeah, the Panthers' offensive line sucks. Matt Corral is going to take meaningful snaps this year. But there, there's no way the group that I watched play football yesterday is going to keep a quarterback healthy for 17 games. There is absolutely no way. No way that that offensive line is going to keep a quarterback healthy for 17 games. They are horrendous, horrible. You often late. Have I talked about the MSU scrimmage yet uh, for no real reason at all? But I'm bought in after hearing reports of the first scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all I've heard, very few details uh, are coming out of there. But uh, apparently defense was really, really good early. And kind of were in control, and then, you know, in the second half, offense got better, and, and part of me wonders if that's something that they, they get out there to make everybody feel good because it's balanced. But um, apparently defensively they are kind of owning camp, which I would expect because of how veteran they are. Uh, they should. Um, but but the defense is is the better unit right now at Mississippi State, apparently, which, again, is, should not surprise anybody. New offensive system, veteran defense, a lot of continuity. So, Trigg might be the biggest example of completely washed ta- or wasted talent you've seen in a very long time. Yeah. It's a shame. It is an absolute shame. What book did I recommend last week? Uh, this one right here. I'm not done yet. The Greatest Beer Run Ever 
This is the one I recommended last week. Um, this I think it was last week, right? Uh, it's written. It's a first-person account, confirmed story of a guy, a veteran that was in a bar in New York, in the neighborhood of New York, when uh, a bunch of people nearby were protesting the Vietnam War. And a bunch of people in the bar, after a few drinks, convinced him, since he had a way to get to Vietnam, because he worked on, um, what do you call it? Sh- the, the, the ships that actually ship things. Um, oh my gosh, cargo boat, like, like a, a cargo ship. Thank you. Cargo ship. Why could I not come up with that? Worked on a cargo ship. So he was able to get on boats to get on the supply run to go to Vietnam. So he's a veteran, uh, served, was done serving, sitting at a bar. Everybody in the bar was was furious at the protesters, and they decided, hey, Chicky is his nickname. You should go bring all those guys a beer and, and notes and stuff from home. And he did. He, he bought a case of beer. And all the the people in the neighborhood that had sons, brothers, whatever, serving in Vietnam gave him letters and stuff to give to them. He hopped on a couple cargo boats, found his way to Vietnam, and essentially, he he didn't lie, but all of the, the military personnel there at all the bases thought that he was CIA because the CIA was involved in a lot of things there in Vietnam because he was street clothes and he was trying to get to different bases near the front lines of Vietnam, and they just took him. They never asked questions. They just assumed American street clothes. We need to transport this guy. He, he wants to go to the front lines. We need to take him because. And so he was able to successfully deliver beer to guys from his neighborhood that were serving in Vietnam while in Vietnam. It's awesome. Crowell uh, handled it. He's, his escapability is good. He, it looked like he was pressing a little bit, just kind of trying to do too much. It's hard to look good behind an offensive line like that. So, anyway, I got to run. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate you like the video, all that stuff. I'll see you on Tuesday night, Tuesday night, 745-ish, and uh, I'll talk to you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.